All right, if you could turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Um, you know, I'm not real for sure. Like, this isn't a sticky subject for me, but it's not an easy subject to talk about. But it's a real subject that we need to talk about, and we come to it in Scripture. Um, last week, Brother Greg did a really good job at just talking about uh, the kingdom and, and, you know, if something offends you, and really coming down to the core is that Jesus is enough. Jesus is all that we have to get into heaven. There's nothing else. There's no one else that will suffice. There's nothing else that will do. And even as I was reading through the book of Romans, this one part of this text caught my heart that I know I've read before, but it caught my heart. It's not by human exertion, by human will that we get into the kingdom of heaven. It is Jesus alone. It is His work. And as I was listening to His sermon, I, I thought, man, where were you, Brother Greg, when I burned my tattoo? Because I took Jesus' words literal, and I'm like, this tattoo offends me. i got to get rid of it. Where were you, Brother Greg? Uh, you weren't there. Uh, anyway, it's knowing the Word of God, maturing in the Word of God, knowing how to divide the Word of God in truth. And so I hope and pray that you were able to hear the sermon last week and to take it in. A lot of good stuff in there. And so I pray that you, you have. But we're going to talk today about Jesus and His teaching about divorce. And the thing is, is the good thing about going through a book uh, like the book of Mark, which is what we're doing, and going verse by verse, and we don't actually do exactly verse by verse, but we follow within the context of the verses that we're reading. And Jesus gives a very stern warning about divorce. And the thing is, is that if we realize it this morning, if I had people raise their hands, if you have been divorced before, there would be hands that have gone up. If you have been remarried after divorce, there will be hands that have gone up. And this morning, we don't shy away from truth, do we? We face truth head on, and we say, okay, Jesus, we want to listen, we want to hear what you have to say, and we want to live according to your word. And the truth is not always easy, but it's most loving. And so, if I can just, you can leave right now because I'm going to give you a synopsis of the sermon, is that divorce meets with truth and grace. Okay? So we're going to end this thing on grace. But we got to get to grace. we got to know what grace truly means by hearing truth. Because if you skip to grace and you miss truth, well, grace means nothing. Grace means you can do whatever you want Whenever you want, however you want, and there's no consequences to sin, but we know that that is just not true. Even if you aren't in Christendom, there are consequences to your actions and your decisions. And so here we come to this place, and we wrote on Facebook a little excerpt about the sermon. It's like, this is a truth that the Christian church hasn't even been good at following. So we're not 
calling everyone out per se. We're just letting the Word speak to us. And I'll be honest with you, before we read and pray, is that, that I grew up in context where divorce was the ultimate sin. That if you divorced, you could no longer be in ministry, you could no longer do anything. That was it. You're done. And we'd always, that's the way I was taught growing up in a fundamental Pentecostal church. And that's just the way it was. But it's so interesting because in our church, it's called Church of God Prophecy, and I'm no longer in that. But my mom and dad, they couldn't let people that had been divorced even be members of the church. But what was so ironic is that my dad was a poor preacher you know, stereotypical poor preacher. And the very people that always brought us food was a divorced couple. Every time that we had a need, it was that couple that couldn't become members of the church, but they loved my mom and dad and didn't care about that, and they would be the ones that would be our provider when we had no food. And my mom is still today, to this day, just kind of shakes her head like, what was that all about? And then not only that, to be taught all your life that divorce is the ultimate sin, is that there's no recovery from it, and then you are all of a sudden the victim of divorce. Where my dad leaves the family when I'm 14, and if you can imagine you've been taught something all your life, and then all of a sudden your whole world is torn apart by divorce, and you're just shaking your head like, what in the world just happened? And so if you can imagine a 14-year-old boy that loses his dad, just goes away and has a mom that raises him, the anger towards God was real. I am your ultimate one that would say, I was a true hater of God. And I vowed even because of that, and I just want to share this with you just for a portion of it, is that I even vowed that I would never belong to a church because of that. But you know what happened? I found Jesus. And then all of a sudden that changed. No longer was I apart from the church. I wanted to be a part of this community. Because Jesus is the head of this community. No matter how messy the church gets, let me say this over and over, no matter how messy the church gets, this is Christ's bride. And he loves his bride. He gave his life for his bride. So we're going to read scripture and then we're going to pray and we're just going to hit it and may God have mercy and grace upon us this morning. Let's read Mark 10, 1 through 12. Getting up, he went from there to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. Crowds gathered around him again. And according to his custom, he once more began to teach them. Some Pharisees came up to Jesus testing him and began to question him whether it is lawful for a man to divorce a wife. And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. But Jesus said to him, them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. In the house, the disciples began questioning him about this again. And he said to them, Whomever divorce, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, This is no joking matter. This is your word and we hold your word high as the authority of our lives, Lord, as disciples of you. And Lord, I know today that there are going to be people that hear your word that are divorced. And I just pray by your working, by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak To them, you speak to all of us, Lord. What do you want us to hear this morning? Father, I pray that we would not close our eyes. We would not turn our ears off not to hear and that our hearts would not understand because if that's the case, Lord, we can't turn to you. But I pray for open eyes, open ears, and open hearts to your word today. And may your grace be upon us. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you with three points. Is God's ordained order? And then the point number two, is there ever a reason for divorce? And can we find grace if we sin? So I want to begin by speaking this to you and being very clear and very frank with you. And and I I want you again to hear so much grace. And if you're new here this morning and you haven't heard me preach, I preach with passion and sometimes my wife is like, why do you got to speak so angry? But I promise you I'm not angry. I just get passionate. But the point is, is I want you to see something this morning. That sin is sin. And we don't scapegoat about what sin is because all of us in this room have fallen short of God's mark, of His glory. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need Jesus. Period. But they're questioning Him, and this is what's so cool is Jesus knows he's going to the cross. All these people gather around him in the region of Judea, which is really important. And the Pharisees ask him, say, hey, Jesus, is it right for a man to divorce his wife? And in Matthew 19, it says, for any reason at all. Out of the blue, like, why are you asking this question? I'm going to say, just give you a little plot to the story as they were trying to catch Jesus. They always were trying to catch Jesus in something. And what's interesting is the area and the region that they were asking this question, which I think they were up to no good, is where uh, John the Baptist confronted Herod. 
about what him taking Philip, him taking right Philip's wife for himself. John the Baptist confronted him and said, "This is sin. You cannot do this." And what happened to John the Baptist? Ultimately, he got his head chopped off. So I believe they were trying to trap Jesus. But here is what Jesus did: He asked them a question. You ask me a question, I'm going to ask you a question. What did Moses command you? What did he say to do? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. So he's saying, and it's interesting, he's going to a conversation, and, and we find it in Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 5, is it talks about divorce. If a man finds any indecency in his wife, that he could send her away. And here is the big debate in his time, is it got so ridiculous, if the wife even burnt food, he could send her away. Foolishness. I will tell you this much. We will always, in the hardness of our heart, twist the Word of God to fit our narratives. Always, if we're not careful. That's why interpretation is not given in to our own selves. It is within a collective body of believers. And so... Why did Moses do this and the certificate of divorce? And listen to what Jesus said. Moses permitted a man. He permitted. Moses came to a concession dealing with issues. And why? Jesus says this very clearly because of the hardness of, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. So think about it just for a minute. Is what brings men and women to the place of divorce? It is hardness of heart. Whether it's from one spouse or the other, there's something going on here. And it is the hardness of our hearts that, that need Jesus in the midst of relationships. You see, I want to read this to you as divorce literally means to put away. It means to send away. And I have to say this before I keep reading. Is that sometimes we think life is a-okay when we do sin against the Word of God and what he tells us, and we just go on as if it's okay. But I tell you, there will be a day that you face the consequences to your sin. And it should make us shudder. You see, more technical in the life of a follower of Christ is a breaking of a covenant. When you get a divorce, you are breaking a covenant that you have made between you and your spouse, God and man. 
You see, the marriage ceremony is a sacred covenant between man and a woman who enter into a covenant with one another in front of God. That is why it is so important to have a ceremony. It's more than just a piece of paper. Because you're entering into a covenant before the preacher, before God and witnesses and who? The state. So let me say this very clear to each one of us. Cohabitation is a sin no matter how you look at it. What do I mean by cohabitation? It's outside of a covenant marriage. Sexual immorality is sex outside of a marriage covenant between a man and a woman. So, we realize that it's the hardness of heart. So we have to go back to God's order. How does God define marriage? And so isn't it interesting, Jesus goes all the way back to creation. And he says this, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. This defines marriage within a biblical worldview. You see, but here's where I want us to be extremely careful. And if people are watching online and they're struggling with same-sex attraction or, 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 or gender dysphoria, we are not here making jokes about that. Let me be very clear. That although we hold it as sin, and the marriage is for male and female alone, is that we do it in love and grace and truth. We speak truth. Not because we have defined truth, but because God has defined truth. But with that, we don't speak hate, we don't make crude jokes. We just say this is God's word. I wonder how Jesus treats the divorced. I wonder how Jesus treats the sinner. I think it's time to make a, just like what I call a holy pause and just say, how does Jesus treat the sinner, which you and I are sinners? But isn't it interesting where all of a sudden where we have become somebody, something, is then we begin to be the judge and we begin to just not act like Jesus. But we hold to truth. For this reason, Jesus says this, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two 
but one flesh. Let me just say this. Like, I, I just have to joke about this. Mom and dad, this does not say there are three and then they become one. There's two and they become one. So listen, parents and grandparents, is that when people get into a relationship, man, male and female, is like, it just makes me laugh when parents are still involved in marriages. I back off! Get back! It's not three. It never was three. Now, I pray that our grandchildren, our children will come to us and ask a blessing. I'm not saying that my daughter's better and my son better come to me and ask for a blessing because I feel that's right. But you leave and you cleave. And you see, it's interesting is because some of you know what I'm talking about. It's like you get a controlling parent in there and it ruins a marriage. And if you allow it to happen, you're, you're, you're letting it destroy a, a good, godly thing. I just had to say that. If that hits you, well, I'm glad. Because it needed to. And it says there, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So let me just talk, talk to you just for a moment. Is that we don't really put the emphasis on the sacredness of marriage and the marriage ceremony. Is that when you sit in a marriage ceremony, you become a witness to that marriage ceremony. Your best man, you know, a bridesmaid, like you are, you may not realize this, but you're responsible to do all you can to help that marriage succeed. We don't think of it that way, do we? We're not sugarcoating divorce this morning. But God says, let no man separate. You see, I believe this wholeheartedly is that whether it is a marriage under Christ or a marriage not under Christ, I still believe God blesses the marriage. I believe that with all my heart. Malachi 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 13 through 16 says this, This is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with groaning because He no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dwelt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But no one has done so who is a remnant of the Spirit. And what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? Take heed then to your spirit and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. And, and him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Let me just say this again. God hates divorce. Okay, pastor. <laughs> So where does that put me? I'm divorced. I'm even remarried. Where does that leave me? 
And I want to be very honest with you this morning. This message is for the single, for the married, and for the divorced and the remarried. It's for all of us. You see, and we have to realize that if, is there ever a reason for divorce? And so I want to deal with this really clearly this morning is that there is a, a reason to get a divorce. There is, and it's in the Word of God. So let us deal with it just for a moment. We're not going to leave anything unturned this morning, but yet, can we do it in 30 minutes to 40 minutes? Not really. Matthew 19.9 says this, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. So listen, if there is immorality taking place, and, and, and that is a reason and a grounds for divorce. Matthew 5, 27, 28, and these are Jesus' words. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now some of you are like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. So I can just leave my spouse because they lust? No! I'm just saying And you want to know something even deeper, like, and this is what I say to people that come in for counseling and marriage, is like the root word for adultery is porneia, which is where we get pornography. And isn't it interesting in marriages, even if you're single and you're dealing with pornography, it is a sin. And it ruins marriages. And Jesus says this is a reason for divorce. Let's go to 1 Corinthians with me. And it's going to be, you've got to hold on. It's, it's uh, about 16 verses, a lot. But it's what's cool about it is that it kind of talks to us about marriage. And some of it is a concession of Paul. He's saying it. And then another part of it is commands by the Lord. And he talks about both here. But I want to just say that there is room that there is for divorce, but we are going to make it very um, finite. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. But because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. Now, if you're young, this is like rated, now it's PG-13. We don't do R. It's all P, is that this means sex. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So it's not just about the man. And it says this, and this might be helping some marriages. 
is stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by way of concession, not a command. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God. One in this manner and and another in that. So listen, guys, I want you to know that singleness is a God-given gift. But if it's not, like if you're feeling like I, I have passion... I have desire to be married. Get married. But here's the deal. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. I'm going to tell you, and Paul deals with it just real. Don't get so desperate that you're willing to throw in the towel to do whatever to get it. No, God has a perfect mate just for you. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Can I get a big amen? amen? Thank you. But to the married I give instructions, not I but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And that the husband should not divorce his wife. But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, she must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. Praise the Lord. For other, otherwise your children are unclean and now they are holy. How many of you guys this morning long for your spouse to know Jesus? And it hurts that they don't. There are many in here that have that experience, but I'm telling you, if that husband or if that wife wants to stay, they, you should embrace it wholeheartedly. Yet, if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or the sister is not under bondage in such cases. And that word such cases is big. But God has called us to peace. So there are circumstances when a believer and unbeliever, there is just no peace within the home and it is better that they separate. But, if that's not the case, then the answer is no. It may be hard, but you can't. You see, and here's the case, is that in such cases that we find here in 1 Corinthians is one for debate amongst scholars, but I hold that this would include abuse and neglect. That if you're in an abusive relationship and one of neglect that is hurting the family and is destroying the family nucleus, then there might be grounds to divorce. 
But here's some reasons not to divorce. Not because marriage is hard. Not because you and your wife or you and your husband are not getting along. That is not means for a divorce. Or because one spouse wants to marry someone else. You see, even in the midst of an affair, abuse, and neglect, our ultimate goal as ministers and of reconciling, we should want to restore the marriage, shouldn't we? But if the marriage can't be restored, then it should dissolve under certain circumstances. But listen to this very closely, and I know this is a sticky subject, and you might be thinking, where is he going? I'm going somewhere. Just hang on. Let me be clear that divorce fractures everything. It fractures the covenant between the man and wife. It fractures the family. And the children suffer. You see, there's a word that we had been counseled, me and my wife, and I love my wife dearly, and, and she loves me dearly, and I know it. We, we know it together. And, and there's a word that we said that we will never use within our marriage, and that is the word divorce. It is not a weapon. You see, it's interesting because... As people get older, and if you're not, and see, here's the deal, is you need to cultivate your marriage relationship. You need to be working on it now so that when hard times come, it is not going to be a destruction. And you act as if, this is what I really want to say to you, you act as if it doesn't matter. It's only between you and you. But no, it affects the nucleus. And you see it within when grandparents get divorced. The grandchildren are freaking out. And like, what is going on? Or a grown child uh, that has left home and all of a sudden mom and dad have been married 30, 35 years. They end a divorce. You think that's easy even for an adult kid? It's not. And think about children in divorce home. It wreaks havoc. And Jesus actually says that if it's outside of certain parameters, it is sin. And for you that are remarried this morning, that have gotten divorced out of the parameters that I spoke out, can I say this very clearly because of the disciples questioned Jesus and he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. It doesn't give anybody the freedom. And this is what is so unique about what Jesus is saying, is that in the Roman law, is that this wasn't permitted for a woman to leave a wife. 
even within Jewish law. But yeah, Jesus is kind of putting everybody in the same boat and saying this is the reality. So if you've been divorced just because you didn't want to be married anymore, you were walking in sin, and if you were remarried and, and, and living in that relationship, you were walking in sin. Okay, you can leave now. You're mad? Does that write your chapter? Is that the end of the story? It's not. Today, some of someone's story is going to begin. Someone's story is going to begin and restoration and healing is going to happen because of what you hear today. You see, and I even say this, and, and I want to say this is, can we find grace if we sin? Yes, we can. Adultery, what is the big deal? Well, it is a huge deal. And I want to say this, because this is what Ephesians 5, uh, verses 3 through 5 says, but immorality, right? Adultery is part of that. Or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you. Christians, it cannot be named among you. And that was just a passionate plea. I'm not angry. as is proper among saints, followers of Christ, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Listen, if you are walking in sin, you have no inheritance in the kingdom. You're like, but Pastor, you're being extremely harsh. No, I am not being harsh. I'm bringing you truth. And listen, and I thought about this uh, very clearly because uh, 30 years ago, if somebody got pregnant, the whole family nucleus freaked out. And they shunned outside of marriage. And they shunned that relationship. And we've learned a lot. Don't shun that relationship or that child still was formed in the womb. God knew it. And I would even say this, like if you have had sex outside of marriage and you have had a baby outside of marriage, there is still redemption. But here's the thing is, what is our remedy of a hardened heart? What happens if this is our plight? If I've been divorced and remarried or if I've had sex outside of a marriage and, and what is the remedy? And I want to say this is that it is to come to Jesus. And if you were to ask anybody in the sanctuary, is your marriage perfect? Even those who have been married for 60 some years, if you ask them, has your marriage been perfect? be the first people to put up their uh, uh, hands and say, no way! It's been tough! But you see, what does truth, speaking truth, 
as a believer and as messengers of reconciliation, as ambassadors of Christ, is speaking truth should bring people to a place where when you see truth, when you see your sin, is that we have a remedy and it is Jesus Christ hanging on a cross who took, himself, took upon Himself the sins of the world, your sins, my sins, upon Himself. But here's the deal. You have to repent. You have to repent. So if you've been divorced under any reasons other than justified by the Word of God, is that you need to repent. If you've had sex outside of marriage, you need to repent. If you are stuck in pornography, you need to repent. But listen, this is where I'm talking about healing. Is that when you repent, there's still consequences that we have to deal with, right? Broken marriage, family, we still deal with those things. But when we repent, we are right with God. That sin is dealt with. But my question for you today and for myself today, when I see truth, am I willing to turn to Jesus and ask for forgiveness? And I'm telling you, if you do this, He will not cast you aside. He promises us that anyone who comes to Him, He will not cast to aside. If you ask for forgiveness, He will forgive you. And so listen, if you got into a marriage that is, it was wrong and, and it was adulterous and, and you cheated or uh, just whatever it was the case, is listen, even in the midst of that wrongness, Jesus can make it right. He can redeem your hardened heart and you can have a marriage that is whole, even if it was birthed out of sin. Because there's only one sin that God will not forgive and that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is it. So that's why we speak truth. That's why we say marriage is between male and female. That is God's order. That isn't Christian Christianity's order. That is God's order. But may we respond to truth. And you see, it's our hardened hearts that bring us to this place. And I want you to know that some of you, some here need to be born again. Someone here needs to be born again, truly born again. You need to repent of your sin and turn to Christ. And exchange that hardened heart for a new heart. And then there's others here for others, you need to repent and ask Him to forgive you for sinning against His will and purpose for your life. You were a believer, but you fell into sin, and you need to repent also. So we go to God. We reconcile with God for the sins that we have committed. And then I want to say this to you. 
is that you might need to go and seek forgiveness for the party that you offended. Okay, and I will say two wrongs don't make a right. Never is it wise to say, okay, go back to your old marriage. No, that's done with. The marriage, I, the marriage that you are in, we want to see successful. We want to see whole. We want to see it work. So how does Jesus treat the divorced one? I'm, I'm going to end here pretty close to here. Never believe a pastor when he says, I'm going to end here. John 4, the woman at the well. First of all, she's a Samaritan. Second of all, she's a woman. What was Jesus talking to a Samaritan? What was he doing talking to a woman? But he got into conversation with her. And when it came down to the core of an issue, what did he say? She said, I, she's been divorced multiple times. And the man she was with wasn't even her husband. How did Jesus treat her? Did he cast her out? No. She came and she saved a whole village. She brought a whole village to Jesus. And then the village finally said, hey, it's not because of what you said. It's because we know Jesus. We have met him. What about the woman caught in adultery was brought before Jesus? He says, you who have no sin cast the first stone. And this is what I love from the oldest. From the oldest. Like there was wisdom there. The oldest knew they had sinned. To the youngest, they all left and the adulteress was standing there. Then what did Jesus say? Where's the one that condemns you? I neither condemn you. Go and sin no more. I'm telling you, Jesus loves his creation but we have to turn to Him. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to pray to our Father who is in heaven that He would heal the wounds that have been caused by divorce. Rather from your parents or the loss you have suffered from your own broken marriage or marriages, I'm going to pray that all of us would find healing. And that Jesus would come in and do a work in our hearts. And allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit can do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for the truth of your word. And Father, as a product of divorce, I know the hurt and the pain that it comes from the security of a mom and dad who love each other. It has been broken. And it turns our whole world upside down, Lord, where we don't even know what is going on, Lord, and, and the destruction that follows, Lord, within the kid's life. I pray for our kids. I pray for our grandkids, that you would minister to them, Jesus, and bring hope. And Father, I pray for the divorcee, 
and for the divorce this morning. Father, I pray that that you would heal what has been broken in their lives, Lord, that somehow you would work redemption in the situation of broken marriages, of unfaithfulness and of adultery, Lord, that you would come and, Lord, we would all turn to you, Jesus, for forgiveness and repent. But, Lord, I also pray that in the midst of that, that we would find true newness of life. And only you, Jesus, took upon yourself the sins of adultery and the sins of immorality. So we turn to you, Lord. Heal us. Bring redemption into the brokenness. And Lord, if we have come into a remarriage situation, I pray that this marriage would glorify you would honor you, that you would bless it by your Son, Jesus, being the center of it all. And Lord, we confess that marriage is hard. And some days we want to throw in the towel. But Jesus, would you help us? Would you be the Lord of our spouses? And would you be our Lord? We look to you and only you can do this. We trust in you. We turn to you and Holy Spirit, come and fill us. In your precious name, Jesus.